Spring Training coverage presented by Kona Big Wave. D-backs Spring Training, live from Salt River Fields at Talking Stick. Bickley and Murata on Arizona Sports 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app. Well, I just say the organization is uh, 100% different than it was a year ago. And when you look at coaching, uh, Monty, what he's done, uh, our personnel, our uh, you know, front office across the board. And uh, you look at last year's season, and especially when we got Kyler back over the last eight games, um, you know, having a running game, uh, having a team that believed in each other, having a team that, that held the lead in most every game. Uh, now, we let it slip away in too many of those games, but this team believes in uh, Coach Gannon and uh, believes in the system, and uh, it's it's great to see the team playing together and fighting even when those games didn't count at the end, yeah. including beating a couple of playoff teams, uh, you know, on the road in hostile uh, environments. It says a lot about this team and the direction we're going. It's Michael Bidwell, the owner of the Arizona Cardinals. He joined us for Newsmakers Week, and that's the way that interview started and talking about the different the different feel of this off season. Uh, talking obviously about the football product. Yeah, and he used the phrase this uh, organization feels like it's 100% different than it was a year ago. Interestingly enough, yesterday the National Football League Players Association released their annual report cards. Yep. And um, you know, after last year, it was an ugly showing in these report cards. And the way this works is the players, the rank and file, they answer these questions, these these surveys, uh, and they get scored on them. Uh, and this year, there was seventy seventy seven percent participation. Seventeen hundred players participated. Uh, last year, the results were ugly for the Cardinals. Michael Bidwell vowed changes. Uh, there were some changes. There was some improvement. They jumped yeah. from thirty first overall to 27. Right. So, so but, but it's still problematic when the owner of the Cardinals gets an F. So F Michael Bidwill, that doesn't mean what you might think it means. It means that was that happened to be his grade in this thing. Now, so y- you got to ask yourself, what does this really mean? Because the worst graded owner is the guy with the trophy. So yes. Clark Hunt in Kansas City apparently is hated by his players. Um, he got an F minus. And so you go, okay, what's that all about? The one thing that, that you have to say is these grades are not indicative of how players feel about Michael Bidwell personally. It's a very narrow category. It is. What do you think of your owner's ability and willingness to spend money to upgrade facilities? That's the criteria. Mm-hmm. And that is where Michael Bidwell is scoring very, very low. And judging from last year's um, report, there's good reason for it. It appears to me from the grading that Michael Bidwell and the Cardinals uh, put money into the weight room, into the strength program and all that stuff, and that is where they got their bump. But but the general question, how do you feel about your owner's willingness to invest in these facilities? He is still not scoring well. Now, maybe... Maybe it takes a while to change perceptions, or or, or maybe you're going to have to continue to spend, or or you also have to look at the mindset of professional football players. Now, um, I heard Wolfley go off yesterday about how who cares what they feed you, who cares what the facilities are. That's an old school view. If you don't think facilities are important, look around the corner here and look at this weight room, mm-hmm. and tell me facility. Look at this complex we're sitting in right now. Tell me facilities don't matter. Of course they matter. 
matter. Well, and so to say that new school players shouldn't complain, okay, if you're going to be that old man screaming at the clouds, go ahead. That's not reality. Uh, there's I, I, a reason why the PA is conducting these surveys. They, they want the best for their membership, obviously. Yeah. And look no further than Jacksonville, Florida. Last year, the Jaguars got roasted on this report card. Uh, and one of the big headlines, and people were pointing and laughing at the Jaguars, they had rat infestation at their team facility. Oops. They opened up a brand new team facility, and they jumped 21 spots. So it, it, I am in agreement with you. This does matter. I will you're say trying to attract free agents, and you're trying to, uh, you know, bring in the best talent. Yeah. It does matter. It There's does a reason matter. why people want to go it to Miami. That got a a report card across the board. Yeah. I, I will say that Wolf said he did say that it shouldn't matter, but he did acknowledge that in today's game it does matter. Okay. Yes, it does matter. Well, I I just heard him talking about what his mindset was as a player. That is a football player. You should be savage enough to not worry about what quality food, what quality weight room, that kind of stuff. I, I think in this particular case, it's something you do have to pay attention to. It, it also shows me that a lot of ownership groups in the NFL, they, you don't want to spend on this. And it also tells me that there's a lot of complaining going on among players, maybe who have been to other organizations, who've been in better organizations. They come in and they're like, dude, what's up with your Wait, I don't know, man. I've, oh, have, have you seen the one in Miami? Yeah. And, and maybe word gets out that way because if this stuff, if some of this stuff were that important to these players, collectively bargain it. But you don't want to do that because you want the, the, the you want you want the focus on your salaries, yes. not on your amenities. Well, you want the focus on the salaries. You want the focus on the wins and wins and losses. So, right. your your blanket question to start this conversation of how much does this really matter when the Kansas City Chiefs were one of the lowest rated teams, the Pittsburgh Steelers, a highly successful team, very low low rated, and the teams at the top, the Miami Dolphins, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Houston Texans, what did they end up doing last year? I mean, the Texans had a, had a good season. The Dolphins mm-hmm. did. But they're not winning anything. They're not winning Super Bowl titles. I'll ask the question. When it comes to ownership and willingness to spend, mm-hmm. is it time for a brand new facility for the Arizona Cardinals? Oh. If you're keeping up with the Joneses and this is going to be monitored every single year, they've had over 30 years of use at that facility. There's been major upgrades made at that facility, including a, an indoor practice bubble and a lot of stuff on the inside, weight room and all that. But... That's a great question. How much can you keep yeah. you know keep improving without expanding? You know what I'm saying? No, there's no doubt about it. That's that is you know listen. That's a very fair question. My quick answer to that would be I yeah it, it would look from the outside that that it might be time to create a, a much more. Um, a, a larger kind of infrastructure, as you've seen, some of these some of these places are complexes. Yeah, they're I mean, gigantic. What they have in Dallas is obscene. It's ins- that's insane. Yeah. I mean, that is that is off the charts. Um, because the importance is the training facility. The stadium is. You visit the there stadium. eight times a year, yep. maybe ten, ten with with preseason. It doesn't really matter that right, much, right? Right. Um, so yeah, so I I think that maybe there's a case to be made for that. Um, I, I I think that a lot of this um, I, I, for JJ Watt to come out and say that this is one of the more important things that players are outspoken on yesterday. Mm-hmm. So this is this is something that players do care about. It's just their workplace environment, you know. Yeah. The other they added uh, the ownership component to it, and you mentioned that it was an F grade for for Cardinals ownership. They also added the head coach 
uh, component to this this year. So Cliff Kingsbury was not scored in his last year. Jonathan Gannon in his first year was, and he got an A minus. So, that's something else, isn't I, it? Yeah, and you know Michael Bidwell said it in the soundbite coming into this discussion. Uh, the belief in Jonathan Gannon is there. I think we saw that throughout the year, but it's fortified by seeing that grade on on, I, uh, on the report I, card. That was something that really that I that I could not get out of the front of my brain yesterday after this came out was that how a rookie coach with four wins uh, to his name uh, sort of created that kind of of groundswell of optimism and and to result in that kind of grade that's unheard of. Now Andy Reid got an A. You see why. Mm-hmm. But for a guy with four wins and, and in his first year and having never done it before, that means you've really, really communicated in a sincere, authentic way. And for Andy Reid to overcome yeah. all of the dysfunction uh-huh. and garbage in Kansas City to get an it that was funny. <laughs> they're well, the Super Bowl just, champs two years ridiculous. in a row. Right. They're they the lowest three grade. in five years, and, and, and they're getting the lowest grades out of anybody. Yeah. So you don't need it to be successful as long as your major players buy in. But, yeah, you're right. It's something that the Cardinals need to stay on top of. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll continue. We are live at Salt River Fields at Talking Stick. D-back spring training in full swing. They've got a 110 game today here against the San Francisco Giants, and we'll continue uh, from – Salt River Fields, right after this on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Spring training coverage presented by Kona Big Wave. Live from Salt River Fields at Talking Stick. Bickley and Murata on Arizona Sports 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app. The first thing I ask them to do is just be themselves. Come in here. Don't be a faker. Don't be a phony. Nobody likes that. And you can spot those people from a mile away. So come in here and be yourselves. I love the personality of, of Cattell Marte. He just doesn't care about anybody. He looks at that person on the mound. He's like, you have no chance. And it could be the best pitcher of the world. Like He, he sets a tone like, don't get in my way. I'm going to run you over. But very strong personality. I love Perdomo's um, his his ability to keep things fun and loose and 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 you know get on his teammates and say, hey man, we're out here to win a baseball game, but let's do it the right way and have some fun. So they're all different. They hold each other accountable, and that's what makes that room all good. There's uh, Tori Lavella, the manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks, on with Wolf and Luke. They were out here at Salt River Fields at Talking Stick on Tuesday, but just driving home that point, players uh, get to be themselves and. Look, Tori Lovello has been very constant since he became the manager of the Diamondbacks in 2017. He's always had that positive vibe, uh, that players-manager vibe, and it was tested sometimes through some some lean years. Um, And he rode that wave last year, and you had fun watching Tori Lovello ride that wave last year. He was one of the breakout stars of the postseason. His personality, his energy, the let's freaking party! Yeah, it's a powerful thing when when you can combine the, the, the positive vibe that permeates throughout this organization with actual winning. Mm-hmm. I'm real curious to see what that looks like, especially early on. That first month of the season for the Diamondbacks is pretty tough, potentially. Uh, oh, yeah, no, yeah, listen, I, I agree with that. It's There's there's going to be, uh, there's no slow rolling into this season from anybody's perspective. No. Um, yeah, and I think the idea of how they handle it, um, there's going to be a target on this team's back. As I've said, this baseball team could be three times better than the one we saw. Well, that's, that's maybe an exaggeration. 
This baseball team—they're not going to win 240 games. No, this team, <laughs> this team from a from a roster standpoint, not a, a win standpoint, might be twice as good, might be markedly better than last year's team, and really struggle to get half, half to get halfway down the road that the Diamondbacks got last yeah. year, and that's because the journey the Diamondbacks had last year was improbable. It was unbelievable, taking down the Brewers and then the Dodgers and then the Phillies. I, I go back and I relive those games six and seven against Philadelphia, it's and I'm magical. like, I can't believe that even happened. And to think this team was a heartbeat away from being up 2-0 in the World Series, and and so it was really a magical journey, and there's no guarantees of, of, of getting that kind of magic again. So you got to compensate with better talent, and the Diamondbacks have it. And it's it's whether or not it 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 you know manifests itself how this team looks when we when we really do get up against the Dodgers and what those games feel like. I said earlier, if you looked in Vegas about a month ago. And I, and I only read this stuff. I am not actively engaged in this. Uh, the over and under for Diamond or for Dodgers wins was 103. I don't think I've ever seen that number in my life for a regular season over under for a baseball team. And the Diamondbacks was like 84 and a half. And you're like, that's really low. Yeah. Well, it's I, really low because you're in a division full of really good baseball teams. True. Uh, very true. Um, and to that point, we had Tim Kirchin on yesterday, and I asked him a question, and I'm not sure if I phrased the question correctly. Uh, and the question was, you know, for teams like the Diamondbacks, and last year this this bared out. I mean, they were tied with the Dodgers at the All-Star break for first place in the National League West. Then the Dodgers flexed mm-hmm. and won the division by 16 games. Mm-hmm. What happens over the course of 162 games, right now with this current playoff setup is not as important. So I asked the question is, you know, should it be the goal for teams like that just to get into the wild card and then let the chips fall where they may? And he kind of took offense to it and said, what are we doing here? If that's your goal, you should be trying to win the division. But I'll tell you what, Major League Baseball is going to look at at, at things like this because this is two straight years under this format, and I'm not knocking it. That's what's in place, and the Diamondbacks earned their spot in the World Series, but Uh the sixth seed has gone to the World Series twice from the National League in this format. Oh, yeah, and it's taken, I think, the purists a while to kind of reconcile what is this all about. This used to be about the reason why we play 162 games is to make sure that that the best team wins, and and why are we sabotaging that very foundation of the sport with these – you know, one game playoff series and these additional wild cards. Well, we know the answer. It's money. But it's still, there's a great deal of excitement that has come with it, a great deal of unpredictability. And and sometimes in terms of drama, um, a little inequity is not necessarily a bad thing. When a team that deserves something doesn't get it, mm-hmm. it's not a bad thing unless it's your team. Oh yeah, unless it's your team. Unless it's your team with the you always say it. Wins. We all root for our self interest. Always, yes. always, always. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that um, it, it's it's going to be very, very important for the Diamondbacks to me to establish a really good vibe and never really kind of don't stray too far. Uh, don't get too. Uh, you know what I mean? D- d- don't get stuck in in the mud for prolonged periods of time because you know that you can turn it on. I don't know. It's it, it'll be interesting. No two baseball seasons are ever alike, and so you know you, you you think things are set up for the well for the Diamondbacks, and I I certainly do. I'm certainly going to pick them to make the playoffs. But how many people are going to make them pick them to actually win the division? Not many. I would be surprised if anybody does. Yeah, because I agree. of what we talk about I agree. all the time. Yeah, the so, Dodgers just 
They, yeah. they, they flexed in the second half of the season on the field. They turtled in the postseason. The Diamondbacks embarrassed them. Many people believe the Dodgers were as aggressive as they were. And, and, and I'm yeah. not necessarily among that those people. I think Otani was landing there anyway. Yeah. But for them also to get Yamamoto, yeah. spend a billion dollars in they one are, free agency yes. swoop, that that's a flex. I, I will say this, and this is a, a, a fact, that there have been years, I think, maybe when the Diamondbacks have had a little success against the Dodgers, where the Dodgers are like, okay, that get off me, mosquito. All right, you 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 you, you had your fun. You got your little mouthful of blood. That yeah. boom, yep. right? This off season, the Diamondbacks really left a mark on the Dodgers. So they're they're coming for the Diamondbacks. Oh yeah. yeah. Don't forget they also traded for Tyler Glasnow. Yeah. They also <laughs> get Walker Bueller coming back, who's like an ace pitcher. Mm-hmm. People forget about that. If he's still going to be an ace, but you're right. Yeah, no, they've they've done a ton. Yeah, and and they, and again, that 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 top of that lineup last year had me cowering. And then you add Shohei. To and then they combined for one hit in three playoff games against right, the Diamondbacks. Right. Just to, know, to baseball. I know, I know. They also got to Oscar Hernandez in that lineup too. <laughs> Uh, we are out alive at Salt River Fields at Talking Stick for a D-back spring training. We will be uh, joined by Mike Hazen. I mentioned it early on the show. He was going to join us at 645. Mike's going to sit down with us at 745. We'll have other players stopping by to visit with us as we continue out here. Uh, but the Rush Hour reboot, Sarah Cazell takes us through the big stories on this Thursday morning next here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Setting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, everybody. Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley Emirata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Our studio is dark and sad and empty right now because Dan Bickley and Vince Murata are not there. They are at Salt River Fields right now, the spring training home of the Arizona Diamondbacks. How are you guys doing? Are you warming up out there? I think it's actually getting colder. Oh, no. <laughs> it was fine when we got here, and now that oh, no. the sun's come up, uh, it's actually a, a bit chillier. I don't think I'm alone work? in this. You feel the same way, don't you, Bill? Well, it, it's just because we've been sitting here, yeah. like, yeah. you know, like bumps for a while. My coffee yeah. cooled off. Yeah, the coffee. There's, yeah. yeah, I haven't had my 15 cups of coffee. Uh-oh. You know, you know how it goes. Do we have blankets, right? jackets, space heaters? Oh, yeah. We got, yeah, we got, we're, we're good. We're good. Everything but the blankets. Everything. Oh, man the best part. All right. Well, stay warm, fellas. Uh, maybe maybe talk of the Phoenix Suns will heat you up, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> Probably not. All right. Here are the top stories of the day. I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hello. Vince Marana. No show is dumber than ours. True. <laughs> and Jarrett Carlin. Squeeze it out from the back end and just... Whoosh. All right. Every, every time you play that, I just need to clarify. I'm talking about toothpaste there, okay? Yes. What else would you be talking about? I don't know. What's Jarrett trying to do here? Okay. (laughs) All right, let's start with the Suns, guys. They had a few days off. They last played on Sunday. Finally, they are back tonight. Feels weird. In the middle of the season for them to just have four straight days off. Uh, But they've got the Houston Rockets tonight in downtown Phoenix. And just last Friday, they had played in Houston. That was a four-point loss for Phoenix. And Kevin Durant spoke yesterday at Shootaround about the value of having some extra practice time midseason. Time is scarce in this league, and you try to use that as much as you can to build your foundation as a team. 
get an in, uh, opportunity to work on the individual skills as well. You know, we don't have a lot of practice time on the road. Or it's, it's hard to get to a gym sometimes when, we, when we're moving around like this, playing games like this. So um, a couple days is always good to reset and get your mind and body right. Kevin Durant also talked about tonight's game against Houston and shared what he would like to see the Suns do differently tonight than what they did last Friday. Well, physicality, I think last time we let them in their, in their home building, uh, we let them run freely. And they made more threes than us. I think they just beat us at the numbers game last game. They made more shots than us from the three-point line. So, and that's just, you look at that as an indicator of us just playing too loose on the ball, playing too loose off the ball, not being physical enough. So, they're a physical team. Their coach preaches that every single day, so we got to match that and be even better in that area. All right, the Suns had Eric Gordon for that game last Friday. He is questionable for tonight. They did not have Bradley Beal last time. He is also questionable for tonight. And they did not have Yusuf Nurkic. He is probable for tonight. So I'm going to ask that question that Kevin Durant just answered and turn it to you guys. What do you want to see the Suns do differently from what they did last Friday? Yeah, um, full-on attentiveness. I said it yesterday. I I, want to see maximum effort. I want to see them take these games with the utmost seriousness and, and kind of extract a little revenge and, and get a couple of victories in their back pocket. Um, if, if Smart basketball fans who've been checking the standings um, realize that, you know, when you get out of these next two games against the Rockets, you might be sitting in, in some decent uh, in a decent territory with, with some teams losing some games in the last couple of games and what's in front of them. That's what I want. I want full-on attentiveness the next couple of nights. Yeah, um, to answer your question directly, Sarah, what do you want to see differently? Everything. <laughs> I think they need to do everything differently than they did against Houston last Friday. I want to see, um, you know, I, 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 we're not going to rely on all starters scoring 18 or more points like we saw against the Lakers on Sunday. I think I want to see a breakout game from Kevin Durant. I want to see a breakout game from, from Devin Booker. I want to see them really assert themselves offensively because it's been kind of a kind of a weird stretch for both of those players since the All-Star break. I agree. Mm-hmm. Bick, you mentioned the Western Conference standings. As of this morning, the Suns sit fifth in the West, uh, t- basically tied with the Pelicans, but just ahead of them in win percentage. But both are seven and a half games back of the Timberwolves who lead the West uh, with 24 games left for the Suns. All right, that is a 7 o'clock start tonight on our air, 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app, so make sure you tune in for that starting at 7 o'clock. All right, let's head to the college game. Last night we had the second meeting of the season between the ASU and U of A men. This time in Tempe, that ended up an 85-67 win for the number 6 Wildcats. Definitely a, a tighter second half than that final score might mm-hmm. indicate. The Sun Devils went on a 10-2 run coming out of halftime to make it a two-possession game, and they had the game within single digits for, I would say, the majority of the second half. Here is Bobby Hurley, the ASU head coach, after the game. He was asked, are you able to find any kind of silver lining given that they were beaten by 45 points in their previous meeting two weeks ago, but but they played a much tougher this time around? Here's what Bobby Hurley said. There are teams that are freaking brutal. Right? They just, they stink. And they've given up and they don't compete. And that's not what your team is doing. Now, I know we're all disappointed. We just lost to Arizona. No one more than me. But we might need a dose of reality and just realize that you know, Arizona's really good. We didn't play anywhere near to an A, A-plus game, which was totally necessary. And there, there's a lot of freaking bad teams in college basketball. 
and our players have competed through a lot of adversity this year, and they haven't quit. So I'm, I'm happy with my team. What do you think about what he said? Uh, yeah, listen, I, I thought it was a very uh, interesting tone that he struck after the game. It, it made you think. It made your mind go in a lot of different directions. It, 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 you couldn't help but think about his future at ASU listening to that, the mm-hmm. way he, he discussed And by the way, I think he's, at, he's, he's actually right about I that. Agree, agree. They had very, very little energy in the first half. They they stuck with it, and that's kind of been the exact st- the story of the season for this team. Totally. And, and, and But to wave the white flag and to just go, yep, that's uh, – I, we can't compete with that. Yeah, um, let's be honest about it. They lost that game in the first six minutes. Yeah. They came out so flat, couldn't oh. make shots, couldn't get a stop to save their lives. And yeah. if they did get a stop, it was an offensive rebound and a putback basket for for Arizona. So if they don't dig that hole as early as they did, I'm not saying they would have won, but I think this Sun Devil team, uh, this version of them is very... You know, they're influenced a lot by momentum. And when they're mm. playing well, yeah. it, it can be contagious. And that, what we saw in the first six minutes, looked like a continuation of what well, we saw in Tucson. Yeah. I give them credit for getting back in the game, getting it down to five in the mm-hmm. second half. But Bobby Hurley's right. Arizona's a better basketball team right now. They needed a big game from Frankie Collins. They got anything but. Yeah, four for 19 is yeah, not going right. to cut it. They don't nope. have enough shot makers. That's, nice. their, that's that, their problem. Facts. Yeah. And then Kylan Boswell off the bench for the other team. That certainly helped Arizona as well. Yeah, anytime they needed a bucket, Boswell. Well, did something big. Caleb yeah. Love hit a hit an open three. So they they have shot makers on that team. Mm-hmm. Uh, a quick note for you, Vince. U of A has swept ASU this season in football, men's basketball, and women's basketball for the first time since the 1998 1999 wow. season. Wow. So how about that? That's rough. Okay. Well, let's let's actually just stick with ASU men's hoops uh, to round out the rush hour reboot. You guys both mentioned ASU being impacted directly by momentum. They they really respond to that. Do you think with one weekend left in the regular season at USC and UCLA, if they play well there next weekend, do you see ASU being a threat to make a deep Pac-12 tournament run and, and potentially get an auto bid? No. 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 no I, I mean, don't. they'd have to win it to get the auto bid. Yep. Can, can they win again? I mean, I think the Pac-12... By and large, is very very mediocre this year. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think Arizona is very good. Washington State is very good. Other than that, I think it's a crapshoot. And when you throw those other ten teams into a neutral court scenario, I think it becomes an even bigger crapshoot. I think they can they can win a game, maybe two. Maybe okay. two. I don't. Play a it, would, days. it would be an upset of upsets for them to, to run the table. I there. totally agree. I just don't know if they could sustain that and string together that many victories to make that happen. Yeah. All right, well, ASU is done for the week again at USC and UCLA. Next weekend, U of A, though, has another game on Saturday. They host the Oregon Ducks at McHale Center. There we go. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, All guys. rebooted. Rush Hour Reboot every morning when Sarah brings us the big stories of that morning. Coming up next, we will sit down with the general manager Woo-hoo. of the National League champion, Arizona Diamondbacks, Mike Hazen. We'll join Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Spring training coverage presented by Kona Big Wave. T-Back Spring Training, live from Salt River Fields at Talking Stick. Bickley and Murata on Arizona Sports 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app. And our first trip out to uh, spring training 2024 for the Arizona Diamondbacks. We continue here on Arizona Sports as uh, the general manager of the D-backs. Mike Hazen sits down with us. Mike, good morning. Good morning. Good to see you. Uh, early impressions of what you're seeing as uh, the reigning National League champions. Yeah. I like to throw that in 
in a lot. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, we can only stay for so much longer. Um, I don't have a lot of impressions. You know, I try not to form a lot of impressions. It's 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 really hard to sit and watch these games and try to stay like not overreact to what you're watching because it literally means nothing. You know, uh-huh. uh, I tell a story at uh, when we were back in Boston that David Ortiz one spring training was hitting like 150 during the entirety of spring training. He was getting a little older in his career and everybody's like ah this is right guy went out and hit 30 and 100 and so i was like oh, yeah. all right after that happened i was like you should probably stop watching spring training and try to make some determinations what's happening look it's, we have a young team we have we, we we as you guys know so you know what spring training's like it's full of energy they're great um i think guys are coming off the high of last season i think how we redirect ourselves into what we're going to launch off into in about a month from today um, is the most important thing that we talk about on a day-to-day basis. So, so I think for the guys that are here, resetting that last year's over. Uh, and for the, but, but I think there's enough new guys in the clubhouse that will that will allow us that that don't need to worry about that that are that want to experience that um, that there'll be a new energy in there too. So, those are the main things that that I think we're spent the most time talking about. You know, if a veteran team plays for a championship and loses it, sometimes they might go that was one lost opportunity we're all getting older but in your case you've got this young team full of kids who got into this crucible who got into these playoff games where the terror of making a mistake is profound and they handled that moment what do you think that experience is going to mean now because i I don't see any situations that's going to you know get between their ears now that they've been through that that's right I totally agree with that. I think the challenge for a young team, and I might be wrong, is that I'm young. I have 10 to 15 more years to go. World Series is going to happen all the time. That's the biggest challenge we're going to have to deal with in that what happened last year doesn't happen all the time. We played great in the playoffs. I'm not, we'll never take that away from what we did. We got into the playoffs at 84 games, 84 wins, and we could have not made the playoffs, and that never happens for us. And so, and 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 a lot of things still went right for us in the playoffs. Like that, for any team that wins the World Series, a lot of things go right for you. I don't care what you say. Yeah. Like you don't just oh, dom- yeah. you don't just run through the playoffs and dominate. Like things go right for you. Other team gets cold in certain situations. Our guys get hot, and yes, you make a lot of your good luck, but a lot of things went right for us. I think for our younger players to realize this doesn't just come along, especially for somebody where we are in the payroll structure, where we are in the structure of the game, um, that the regular season isn't going to come with the excitement and the hype that was every single minute of the playoffs, right? It's back to sort of the, you know, the Grind. what everybody yeah. loves about baseball, yeah. but it, but part of that is just the ebbs and flows of the you know, a Tuesday day game, Wednesday day game somewhere, getaway day, you know, you, you have to that's not going to come with the artificial hype of you know fifty thousand people screaming from the from the national anthem on, and I think that's the challenge for young players. However, the benefit to having young players is the energy that they will come out and play the game with. That's something that you can't artificially create either, and I yeah. think that's something that we have for 162 game schedule. Why why we should be a good team. Mike Hazen, general manager of the D backs, our guest. It seems like every year we sit down with you. Or you, we, you come on the phone with us and. I ask you about the bullpen and what you did to the bullpen in the offseason, and you've been very honest about it. There's a, a big crapshoot uh, element to putting together a bullpen. You didn't have to do much with the bullpen this year. How did that feel going into a spring with confidence on, on what you guys have in, in that area? 
A little unsettling. Amiel Sade just walked by the the architect of the bullpen. The um, only when it goes bad, he's the architect. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I, I a little unsettling, honestly. I mean, I, for eight years, I've sit here, sat here, and said the biggest thing we've had to address in the offseason is the bullpen. Um, and and unfortunately, with the bullpen, usually by April 20th, I'm readdressing the bullpen again, just like every other team is. It's 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 just a very complicated ecosystem out there. You know, the amount we have to use them, how many days off we can get them. I, there, it's a younger bullpen, which I think is good from a durability standpoint. I think they're all healthy. I think we have to get them up and running. We'll see how it goes. We have a lot of good young arms that are going to go into that bullpen during the season, which I feel good about. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of arms in AA and AAA that that throw really hard. They have good secondary stuff. You never know where any of these guys come from. I think so. The second line of defense is in a spot where I feel pretty good about if, if, if the guys take on some injuries in the first. But hopefully that becomes a strength for us in the beginning part of the season. You can't go anywhere without your bullpen. It, it, it's the most frustrating <laughs> and challenging part of what we do, I think. Um, but we feel really good about the way they finished up. They carried us through the playoffs yeah. last year. Um, I, I was exhilarated by how ruthless Merrill Kelly was and how he elevated in the postseason like everybody was and then for Zach to come back and kind of rebound and save a, a kind of a mediocre postseason with that World Series Jemmy through his last outing I, I'm taking it that you feel real real happy about the state of this rotation now compared to last year but but what about the workload? What about the innings that they amassed last year and the season lasting as long as he did? Any concerns there? Yeah. Uh, are there concerns? I have concerns about everything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want my list of concerns. I, I hear you're pretty I'm a Guy, I'm a thousand hey. deep uh, right now. Uh, so anyway, that's not a fair question. The rotation, I think, year over year, we're in a better spot than we were to start the season last year. Yes. So I feel good about that. The workload part of it is really tricky because, you know, you see these other teams that go year over year into the playoffs and they seem to do okay with it. I, my general reaction is starting 40 games in a season. Yeah, that, that that's a big workload. But we're, you know, you see that they've been delayed out of the gate here. We're trying to ease them into it a little, not ease them into it, but at least at least get them a little longer runway, ramp them up to the beginning of the season. Maybe the workload is a little shorter out of the gate um, as we go into the season. But these guys stayed here all off season. They were throwing. Um, there's been no issues physically. I, I, they take such good care of themselves. I'm not particularly concerned about it. We'll be smart, though. You know, I, I, I think, I do think, and as it builds up over time, I mean, the history of this game with pitching is durability is one of the keys to success. Um, we've seen that in the past when our rotation has gone down. Uh, nobody has the ability to just, you know, take on multiple injuries in their rotation. So we'll be very mindful of it. I wanted to ask you about uh, a young player who's been on the radar for quite some time, and he's getting talked about this spring again, Christian Robinson. He's had a, an interesting path to this point. It's hard to believe we've been following this kid for this long. He's still only 23 years old. Uh, what have you seen from Christian this spring, and, and what does his future look like? Because I, I, I think it's It sure is. It sure is. Um, He was our first international sign. I mean, this is going on year nine for us. So, like, you think about we've been following for a long time. You know, that was that was our first biggest sign in the international market. Um, 
It's an incredible story. It's a challenging story. He's gone through a lot. And it's one of those things where, you know, that's why you sit and support and and when possible. I mean, obviously, there's got to be repercussions for behaviors at times that you have to deal with. And we have. And yet at the same time, when you're dealing with some of, you know, things that go on off the field, you also have to have the empathy around these are young kids and things happen and and you have to be there to, to help them. And not knowing that you're ever going to see the light of day on the other side from a professional standpoint like that a lot sometimes during this process you're like look it doesn't matter what happens after this like the from a professional standpoint but you feel so good to see him come back the way he has and where he's standing right now um He's a really good baseball player. He's an incredible athlete. You see that out on the field. You see the power. You see the size. I mean, he. But you just hope as a person that he is as happy and where where he is right now and content where he is in his life. And that's what it seems to be. And we'll still be there to support him no matter what because he's a great kid. He's a he's an incredible human being, and we will try to help him any way we can. And hopefully, he gets to achieve that success as a professional too. Um, what we're seeing so far in spring training is awesome. You had a very serious-minded baseball team last year. A lot of guys would come back from the park at night, have a couple of bottles of water in their tablet, and they'd disappear and go review their swings. What do you make of the makeup this year? You get Gino involved now, and he's one of those great connect connector kind of guys. The intangible stuff. What do you think you have this year? I think we have the same thing. I, I don't think... I think the fabric of the team is still a very serious, hard-working, diligent, drink-a-lot-of-water-after-games type of team. <laughs> I don't think you're going to see us on TMZ very often. That's just my guess. I don't know. Um, I think what we what we felt like we had with when we were getting Gino, uh, bringing in Jock, um, obviously now with a full year of Paul Seawald, like it it those guys are incredible professionals that have been around multiple teams that have been through winning environments. I think they add a level of comfort and consistency for the younger players when the ups and downs hit. And I think that's what we battled last year. Like when we went down in July, it we 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 went down hard and and we almost didn't come out of the crater. Yeah. But I I do credit guys like Tommy Pham and guys that we brought in at the Paul at the deadline. Obviously Longo was here too that really helped I think even out some of that stuff for some of our younger players because they're going to go through the ups and downs when you have a young team that the inconsistency is is can be the death sentence sometimes. And so getting them to not fixate on an 0 for 8, which is hard, we all we will all do it. Uh, I think is the key for a young guy to realize that it, it's it's okay. I can, I can go through like we lost nine games in a row last year. We went to the World Series. If you, when we're in the midst of a seven game losing streak this year, and when the world's going to be ending, and everybody's like, oh, your season's over, you lost seven in a row, and be like, somebody's going to be like, we we lost nine in a row last year. We went to the World Series. Like it doesn't mean we're you know. Yes. And and that's the part of the perspective I think they bring, and that's what's so important. To a clubhouse and I think we've tried really hard to recognize that that part of our clubhouse matters a ton to winning and losing yep. Mike thanks so much for coming by and sitting down with us always great to talk to you hopefully we can do it again real soon and best of luck with everything of course thanks Thank guys. You, Mike Hazen, you, man. general manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks our guest as we continue live out here from Salt River Fields a talking stick coming up Bick's got your blast we're also going to talk to Tommy Henry as we continue here on this Thursday Arizona sports the local sports leader